You are listening to a podcast from Camden Nazarene. Camden Nazarene is a Christ-centered and community-focused church located in Camden, South Carolina. We gather for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m., and you're invited to be our guest this Sunday. Please share it. There we go. Got found some audio there. Please, please share it. And uh, if you haven't already, I'll drop into the comment section. Let Pastor Amanda know that you are here, that you're with us. Uh, if you still are not here, but you still need to or want to give online, uh, you can do that uh, by going to uh, canonaz.church, and then you can just click on the Give tab, and that'll, that'll walk you through there. But we're going to be in the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. As we, as we go and move through our series, <clears throat> Let Earth Receive Her King, on this second Sunday of Advent. So 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll pick up at verse 8 <clears throat> here in a moment. Uh, you'll have to, you have to forgive my voice. I'm not sick. I've just... Uh, was was fortunate to be able to be in attendance uh, at uh, yesterday's state championship game, so I did my part to root on the Bulldogs, and uh, we we were not able to get the outcome that we were wanting. But uh, man, we're so very proud of our dogs, right? Um, and and they played played very very well. So we had a great a great showing uh, there from us. So about. <clears throat> By the second quarter, I realized I needed to stop yelling so much because I knew that I had to preach today, and uh, and I just I just get really into those type of things, especially when it's you believe in a team and uh, you believe in the kids that are out there on the on the uh, on the on the field. So, <clears throat> Second Peter chapter three, and uh, hear the word of the Lord, beginning with verse eight, and we'll read through verse fifteen. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this day, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. This is the word of the Lord. Are you thankful? Lord, we are indeed thankful for the reading of your word. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts may be pleasing and acceptable to thee, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. If if you're in the Advent devotional, uh, you know this week, every day you were uh, reading... Uh, things that pointed you towards towards hope that was our that was our theme last week and we were we were hopeful uh, about 
about the things that God is doing. And, and, and we, we remember that hope isn't always wrapped up in some Hallmark movie type of ending, but hope is grounded in the character of God. Hope is grounded in the fact that we serve a God who is faithful. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, we were reminded that we have hope because God is our Father. He is our potter, and we are the clay. And so today we come to this second Sunday of Advent where we are reminded of what it is for Christ to bring, to bring peace. And you, you, you may have read this text or you heard me read this text and you thought, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting text for this second Sunday of Advent. But we have to remember that Advent, Advent reminds us not only of the first coming of Christ as we look back on that first coming of Christ. It's also a time that remember that we remember that Christ is coming Again, this is, a, this is a, a very fundamental promise that we have in Christianity. A, a part of the core of being a Christian is the belief that Christ is returning. And so the season of Advent as, for the church, it, we take time to remember, to remember that promise. And we also remember that it's a, <clears throat> it's a day that we look forward to. It's not a, it's not a day of, to be fearful but something that we look forward to, it's, it is at his second coming that we will experience the fullness of God and how everything, once and for all, will be made right again. The, the influences, and, and this influences how we live in the here and in the now. You see, we're called to, to be ready. We're called, to, the, the writer of Peter says, we're called to, to live boldly, to live these holy lives. And we are reminded that, that a, a life of holiness, a life of holiness is more than just following some rules. A life of holiness is more than just being at church at the right times and singing the right songs. You see, I'm convinced that a life of holiness is, is, is an invitation to live into this kingdom of God, to, to live into the ethic, to live into the principle of this coming kingdom, this kingdom that we're looking towards, this kingdom that we're looking forward to coming in its fullness one day, a life of holiness says, live into those kingdom values, a kingdom where the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. A kingdom in which the values are love your enemies, pray for, pray for your enemies. A kingdom in which, in which Jesus reminds us what it is to love and to pray for those who persecute you. To live these values. That is our call. You see, Christ, he brought peace to the earth. And he brought peace and he delivered us from sin, yes, but he delivered us so that we can speak peace and be peace into others as well, to speak peace into their life. You see, a life of holiness is extending peace to those around us. I think, I think largely in the holiness movement, we miss that over the generations, that holiness is, is a call to extend peace to those around us. I know a lot of good holiness folk going back in the day and I don't know if they ever really extended a whole lot of peace to anybody. They extended a lot of heartache. They extended a lot of rules, and they extended a lot of, uh, a lot of anguish, unfortunately. And they extended a lot of anguish to some pastors in board meetings. 
This is, this is what has been extended from good holiness people over the generations. And we've forgotten that holiness is wrapped up in being people who extend peace to those around us. And so Peter, he says here, he says in verses 8 and 9, he says, he says, But do not forget one thing, dear friends. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. <clears throat> and a thousand years are like a day. So peeps, whoever, this church that has, that has written Peter, there, there, there apparently is, there's some, there's some anxiety around the coming of Christ. You see, even in the first century, when, when our New Testament was written, there was this belief that Christ was coming again, because that's what he said. As he went up into the heavens, he said, hey, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. And they literally thought he meant like, Oh, yeah, he's just going down the street, and he'll be right back. I mean, that's, that's really how they saw this. And so after a few years goes, go by, they begin to look, get a little anxious. And then there were some false teachers among the Christian church who were saying, hey, Jesus is not going to come again. And so Peter is writing, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to let them know, hey, hold fast. It's going to be okay. The Lord is coming. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, he says here in verse 9. Instead, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to Repentance. If you're a good, if you're a good person of, of Wesleyan theology, you like this verse and you understand this verse. That God didn't come just for a select few. God hasn't come for just some preordained few. But God, his will is that everyone should come to the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm not preaching universalism. I'm saying, yeah, there'll be some that reject it. But I'm saying God's will is that all come. And so people, they're concerned about whether or not, whether or not Christ is going to, going to return. And, and so it's, 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 it's important that we see that, that God, his patience means salvation. That's what Peter is trying to, to relay to the folks here. God's patience means salvation. God, as he, he waits for all of humanity to turn toward God in repentance. The note that God's, that God is, that God's time, that time to God is different, is an important one. It reminds us that, that through our toils, though our toils may seem endless, it may seem that the season that we're in may seem endless. It may seem that, that 2020 is the longest year ever, and we've all, we're all waiting for it to end. And I think we're all beginning to realize that just because that number goes from 20 to 21 doesn't mean that everything magically is just going to get better. I think we're starting to realize that. If you didn't, I'm sorry. I did not mean to burst your bubble. I am so sorry. I apologize. Yes, it is getting better. Yes, it's going to get better. But we have to remember that to God, all of this is just like a blip on the screen. And so we get so focused in, we, we feel like that we're in this, this long, long, long eternal winter. And we have to remember that, that God sees time differently. Those of you who have been praying for so long that, that, that this, 
this, this virus would, would just see its way out of here or there'd be a vaccine or something. You feel like you've been praying forever. But take heart. Take heart. God has not, he, he's not going to go back on his promise. Remember, God's time is just a little bit different than our time. So back to verse 10, Peter, comes, Peter goes back to, uh, to, to this, this image that, that when the day of the Lord comes, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. You see, the, the images of fire, they, they often make us think of judgment. But in this context, it has more to do with refinement. Refiners of fire are mentioned in other scriptures as well to indicate a purifying process. Just as precious metals must be refined with fire in order to be purified, so must creation be subjected to a perfecting or this purifying process. Just as the the chaff of the wheat, which is bad, is burned up while the wheat, which is good, remains, so too the world will be in this coming of the Lord, Peter reminds us. This is a hopeful world, I mean a hopeful word, that the painful and sinful places of the world will be removed while what is good remains. I think we need, you've got to hone in on that. I think that we get, we get so wrapped up in the theology that says everything's just going to be sucked out that we forget that what God has promised to us is a kingdom that is coming, that he is coming again. He is coming to, to lay all things bare. He is coming to reveal the chaff and to reveal the wheat. We get the same image in in the book of Matthew, when, when Jesus describes the coming of the end of all things, when he says, as in the days of Noah, and we remember that in the days of Noah, it was the bad who was taken away. It was the bad who was dealt with. And so as people of God, as we look towards the end, as we look toward this coming kingdom, we are reminded that it is the, it is the evil that's going to be laid bare. It is the evil that's going to face judgment. It is the evil that is going to, to be put to test, that's going to face this, this judgment and ex experience this, this fire. Verse 10 sometimes gets mistakenly interpreted as the destruction of the world, since the NIV sometimes uses the word destroyed, which may not be the best translation. The, the point of this verse is actually about a great disclosure that everything will be laid bare, that there will be a judgment and the hidden will be revealed. I'm convinced that, that Peter is reminding us that the, that the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord is more about purification and redemption than it is about destruction. And so at the heart of this text is the reality of the already and the not yet kingdom of God. This is the kingdom that we live. This is the time that we live in. If you remember from a few messages back when we were in 2 Kings, we, we're in the valley. We, we're kind of living between two mountaintops. We're living between what we knew and what we're looking towards. What we knew was 
Genesis 1 and 2, what we understood was God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was good. It was without sin. Man walked in the cool of the evening with God. They had this relationship, but sin broke, broke and severed that relationship. And so now we look towards the redemption of the world. This redemption that started when Jesus came and when, when Jesus died, he he. he, he ushered in this kingdom, but we're looking forward, we're looking toward this kingdom that is coming in its fullness when he comes again. So we're in this time of this already not yet kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not yet fully actualized or or realized until the return of Christ. Through the incarnation was the beginning of this coming of this kingdom. And so as Advent people, as people living in this time of Advent, as we're looking towards, we live in this great in-between time, celebrating the birth of Christ while awaiting his final return. We do not know the time of Christ's return, so we must live as people who are always ready. That, that, I think that's, that's the great message here. You can, you can, get, all, you can get lost in, in some of the language here about fire and destruction and things like that, but we choose this text on this day because there's a bigger message that the writer of 2 Peter wants us to see. And it's this, it's this, this call to have a vision, to have eyes to see the kingdom of God. If you're reading your Advent devotional, the Advent devotional writer is going to reference today, he's going to reference the story of the stoning of Stephen that you'll find in Acts 6 and 7. And Stephen was this, 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 uh, the follower that, had, that was chosen there in the book of Acts, and, and he, preaches a, he preaches a fiery sermon a very bold sermon in front of these, these Pharisees and these Sadducees and all these, these, these officials. And instead of him telling them what they wanted to hear, he told them what they needed to hear. And, of course, that got upset. They got upset about that. And in, this, in Acts chapter 7, you get this image of Stephen literally says he looks up and he sees the kingdom of God. He sees he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and he, he actually invites the, those who are about to stone him to look up and to see. And Scripture literally says they, 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 they close their eyes. They refuse to look up and to see what Stephen sees. And you know what they do instead? They pick up the rocks, and they proceed to stone him. And so I think Advent, this, 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 this day of Advent, on where we're celebrating peace, remembering peace, it is a, we also remember that we are to have the eyes and the, the lenses of the kingdom to see the world through the kingdom lenses. To see the world as a world in which Christ has died for, to see a world in which Christ has come to bring peace, and we are to be mediums, we are to be conduit, conduits for that peace. But sometimes we're going to face people like Stephen, or like people like the way that people that Stephen faced, similar to the people that Stephen faced, and they're going to refuse to see the kingdom. 
They're going to they're gonna re- refuse to, to turn their eyes and focus on the kingdom. But then what does Stephen do? As they begin to, to stone them, Stephen does one of the most profound kingdom things. You want to talk about a, a guy who saw the kingdom of God. If, you, if you're familiar with the story, what does he do? He begins to pray for them. He begins to pray for them. He begins to, to forgive them. You want to talk about what it is to be an instrument of peace? Here's a guy who's being stoned. Now, of all the ways, if I had to choose how to die, stoning would be on the very bottom, okay? Down there with drowning. All right? I, don't know, I don't know which one would be worse, but they're both really, really bad, right? But while he is having rocks and stones and who knows what else hurled at him, he's praying for their forgiveness. He's praying for them. He is being an instrument of peace up until the very end. And so this is what the writer of, this is what Peter reminds us of. Look at verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, this being the coming of Christ... Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And so while we wait for the return of Christ, our call is to live in peace. Our call is to, is to, is to live in and at peace. While Peter doesn't go into great detail, he does mention living at peace, which is an important idea for us today. We, we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. There is an overarching message throughout Scripture that, about God's desire to bring peace or shalom, the, the Hebrew word there, or to bring wholeness and completeness to God's people and ultimately the world. The message of Christmas declares peace on earth. Jesus also preached peace during his time on earth. In the Sermon on the Mount, he calls, us to, he calls us to be peacemakers. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. And so if the message of the first coming is peace, then so is the message of the second coming. We know that Christ's return will make all things right and will make all things whole. And so the message for those of us living right now, for those of us living in this in-between kingdom, in this already here but not yet kingdom, is also a call for us to to, to be a people of peace. And so then this declaration Peter makes about peace is joined with the idea of being blameless or being or having purity or having lining up with with holiness. You want to talk about? We'll say, well, Pastor, living at peace. That all sounds great. That the story about Stephen. That's great. I'm glad that he could do that. But what could what could move a person to live that kind of life? What could move a person to to be that to have that bold of a faith? And the answer is found in the message of holiness. Look at verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its 
coming. You see, if, if holiness has a victory, has victory over sin and death, then it is possible, it is possible to live a blameless life. I didn't say a perfect life, I said blameless. To, 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 to stand before God blameless through the blood of Jesus Christ. This isn't anything that we do on our own. But this is something, this is everything that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the grace that God has given us. So Peter is saying something about the the response of the people of God. The the people of God are to work towards living these, these blameless lives, which will lead to peace. We're to seek righteousness. Righteousness is a part of, of peace. We, we are to, to, to be a people that, that, that love God and to, and to love others because this is the heart of living in peace. And I think we have to remember that, that peace doesn't mean passivity, but patience. Peace isn't about being Passive peace isn't be about just be well, you know, I'll just let them do whatever they want to do. You know, I think it's more about being a people who understand what it is to be patient. Yes, patient with God, and yes, patient with others. I think sometimes the, the generations before us, maybe they miss that. Somebody would come into church, and they, they couldn't be patient enough. They had to let, let that people know, well, you know you can't wear that. Well, you know we don't do that. Well, you know, well, you know, you know, you know. I'm like, can you just be patient with somebody? It's their first Sunday here. And you, you give, them, give them the business about what they're wearing. <clears throat> I think patience is at the core of who we are to be as a holiness people. Because guess what? God is patient. And that what Peter tells us here in this text? That, that, we, that, that God is a, is a patient God so that everyone has the opportunity to, to come to this saving knowledge, to, to, to make every effort, to make every effort. It's, it's, it it kind of reminds us that this is something that we're supposed to work towards. You see, while we wait, we move to action. While we wait, we move to action. If we're going to be a people of peace, we have to be an active people. We have to move into action. That's why it's very important that we understand kind of the, the, the end time theology. That's why it's very important that you understand that, that God is, is moving, that God is bringing his kingdom here, that, he's, that we're looking for that day where he's bringing the kingdom because we have to be active. We have to be ready. We have to be doing the kingdom business. You see, if we're focused only on some day when we're all just going to be sucked out of here, then there's, there's no motivation to be a people of action. You see, what the motivation in that theology says, well, <clears throat> the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm just going to wait here until it's, God comes for the church and it'll all be all right. They'll be shown one day. 
I don't think that's a very gospel-centered attitude. Not when Scripture tells us we serve a God who is patient that no one shall perish. We serve a God who says, man, you better be busy doing the work of the gospel. You better be busy living out the kingdom values. You better, be, you better be busy being conduits of peace, not stand there with your arms crossed looking up at the sky because, you, you know, you got it all figured out with your end times theology. And you may say, well, pastor, I think you're wrong. Well, that could be, but I like my position a lot better if I'm wrong. Because at least I was, had my hand to the plow, as Jesus said. <laughs> at least when the master showed up, and if he shows up in a different way than I think, at least my hand, our hand, is to the plow. We are found doing the work of the Lord. We are found loving our neighbor. We are, we are found being conduits of peace, not found doing this. Hmm. So while we wait, we move in to action. We look ahead and hope to Christ's return, but we do not wait passively. We partner with the work of the Holy Spirit. Peace, it, 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 looks, like, it looks like patience towards others, patience towards God and our desire that all of God's beloved learn to know that they are loved. It looks like holiness learning to align our lives with the Holy Spirit, seeking goodness in our homes, neighborhoods, cities, and world. So as we begin to wrap it up, know this, Christ is going to return. It is a promise. We don't know when. We don't know, we don't, but, but, but we don't know when, but we know it will happen. But we are to live as citizens of the coming kingdom of God now. We aren't called to passively wait for his return, but to actively live through the kingdom, live through the kingdom, or, and as the kingdom, as if the kingdom has already been fulfilled by living holy and peaceful lives in the world. God is a God of peace, and we're called to to be conduits of that. And, and, and I hope you know that whatever you're facing in this season, whatever burden is on you, please know that we serve a God who is peace. He is our peace. We can cast all of our burdens upon him, all of the, the baggage of 2020, all the baggage of whatever you had even before 2020 because there was baggage before 2020, right? Remember that? <laughs> we, I mean, it's always kind of been issues. That we could cast all the burdens upon him because we is a God of peace. And as we look toward his coming, Lord, help us to be active. Help us to move into action for the sake and for the glory of the gospel because God doesn't want anyone to perish. God wants all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants all to understand what it is to cast our cares upon him. And it could be God wants to use you to be that conduit of peace. 
Let's stand here in the worship center, there at home. Let's sing this old chorus together. I think that you will recognize it. It's familiar. Thank you for visiting candanaz.church.